The following message was recorded Sunday, November 12, 2023. Do you joy in your trials and tribulations? Pastor David shares from James chapter 1 on how we can be blessed even though we are in the midst of a trial. And now, here's Pastor David. James chapter 1, did I say that? Yes. Okay. So we're going to go to James chapter 1, and we're going to start in, uh, actually we're going to start at verse 2. And we're going to jump around a little bit, and I was just, I'll just give you a heads up. We're going, to go to, we're going to go through James, some of chapter 1. We're going to go to Romans chapter 5. We're going to come back to James. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 2. We're going to come back to James. We're going to go to Raymond's 8, and we're probably going to end in Psalm 1. Okay? So we'll see how we can put that, those pieces of the puzzle together and actually make a picture. All right? So, uh, Lord, one more time we come before you. We bow our heads and our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the wisdom that it imparts to us. Thank you, Lord, for the holiness that it brings to us. And, Lord, the hope that it gives us that we can walk in you and that we can live holy lives. Oh, we thank you for the forgiveness of his sins. Lord, we thank you for eternal life in you. So many, so many things we have to give thanks for. If we would just dwell on those things, Lord, and not on the things of this world, Lord, we would not be grumblers and complainers, Lord, but we would have those, we would be those lights that would shine and through this dark and degradating, depraved generation and shine light likes for you, Lord. And so we just want to do that. So fill us, fill us, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your word. Fill us with the hope and the knowledge of you and the things that are all promises that are sure, sure, guaranteed promises that we have in you. Just bless us now, our Savior. We come to thee. Amen. Amen. Okay. So James chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 2, where he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete Lacking nothing. So we have several things here that we're going to look at. We, we, we count it all joy. Do we? Well, I guess that's a good question. Do we count it all joy? Do we count it all joy when we fall into various trials? Yeah. No, not, definitely not during it. Yeah. We don't count it all. We don't necessarily do that all the time. But he says count it all joy when we fall into various trials. And why? Why should we count it joy? What's the next thing it says? Knowing, right? Kyle, you're following the various ties, knowing that the testing of your faith does what? It produces patience. Or what is that patience? The other, do you have a footnote? Perseverance. Yeah, so knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and then let that have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and, and complete, lacking nothing. Right, yeah, so... So we don't always look at the testing of our faith from the front side or from the back side. A lot of times we look at it from the front side. And so we see this trial, this tribulation. And, you know, a lot of times we're like, God, what are you doing? What, what did I do to deserve this? You know, and sometimes we might even get angry at God because we had a last time I taught it in several different series. And it was on, you guys remember? Selfishness, right? Selfishness, not godliness, but selfishness, right? And so we look at, a lot of times we look at our trials and our tribulations from the front end instead of looking at it from the back end. Because we go through these trials and tribulations and we count it all joy, 
Well, we should allow that to allow it to have its perfect work in us, and then we will be lacking nothing. That's what the word tells us. So we'll be lacking nothing. So with that, I want to go to um, Romans chapter 5. And a lot of you are probably familiar with these verses. Put this here. Some words we're going to be keying on is wisdom. We're going to be keying on hope. Um, well, temptations. How about love? Some of the words we'll be looking at. But so we're going from, he said we would be lacking nothing if we counted it all joy and had that perseverance. So in Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So right off the bat, what is this telling us? We've been justified. What does that mean? Declared righteous, right? Declared righteous, legally. You are righteous. So I guess the, the first off the question would be, and, and I, I pray that all you are, and most people that are in this room, I know you. Um, have you been declared righteous? Do you know that you've been declared righteous? Are you confident that you've been declared righteous? So that means that when we stumble, when we fall, I've been declared righteous. So God doesn't look at us from the front end. He doesn't look at us from this, that, that standpoint that uh, you stumbled and you fell, you messed up. It's like, well, listen, we, we all have we all been born in the loins of Adam. We are all sinners. It doesn't matter if we think we live a good life or not. It just really doesn't. Well, I live a good life. I, 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 try to be the, I try to do the right thing. I don't do this. I don't do that. And to, you know, the best, the best of I, I can live, I, I do. That's all great, except there's one problem. You're born separated from God. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I mean, it does matter, okay? I mean, I'm not saying it's okay just to go out and live like a heathen. So it does matter from the, you know, obviously from the standpoint of us living in this earth, and we should live as righteously, righteously, righteousness. Can I say that? Righteousnessly. Righteously. Yeah, righteously. Whatever. I'm trying to put an extra syllable in there. I? Righteously as possible. But our works are not good enough. We have been justified by God, by his son, by what he did. And we've been stamped with his seal of approval. So we've been justified by faith. And because we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. That's pretty good news, right? Yeah. So in Hebrews, it tells us that we can do what? We can go boldly, where? Before the throne of grace, right? We can go boldly before the throne of grace. We have access to that grace because of what Jesus did. And we, it's been some time ago, um, I did a teaching on the, on the tabernacle. And if you know anything about the tabernacle and the temple, which most of you probably know, some of the basics about it, but there were some divisions, right? When you walked into the tabernacle, there was something that was in front of you. 
That was a veil, right? And what was behind the veil? Could you see it? Could you go into it? No, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. But now the veil's been torn. The veil's been removed, and you have access into that grace, right? It's a, it's a fascinating study. Um, if, you, if you ever get the opportunity to look in or you want to look into it, I would. one of the, the things that really encouraged me about that, and speaking off the cuff, but um, the, the construction of the actual physical tabernacle uh, with the boards and the overlaid with gold and the, and the fact that they're standing on these silver pillars and, and, and the, back, the back of it has seven boards, all right? You know what those seven boards are? You know, did you know there was seven boards? Yeah, there's seven of them, and there's a reason there's seven of them, okay? Go, go do that. Go look into that. See if you can find out why. There's seven boards, and they're overlaid with gold. So it's kind of an interesting study. But anyway, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you can come tell me. Um, Ed and Carolyn probably know because I got it out of the book that you lended me <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> so anyways, um, so we, we have access to the grace by faith into which, this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, verse 3, we, have, we also glory in our tribulations and our trials, our trials and tribulations. We glory in them knowing that these tribulations produce what? Perseverance and endurance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because of the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. So we don't have we don't have something that disappoints. We don't put our hope in this world because this world fades. Right. It's all fading. It's all falling apart. And we invest so much time in our stuff. And it all falls apart. Every bit of it. And as you get older and older and older, you start realizing, like, wow, why am I messing around with so much of this junk? I mean, it's just, it's occupying me. It owns me. The more, the more you own, the more it owns you, right? And, uh, you know, I've, I've said multiple times, you know, the American dream is to own a house, right? Well, you don't own a house. The house owns you. <laughs> you know, I mean, so much of the time, that's the truth. And, but we invest so much of that when we should be investing in the eternal. And our hope is not in this place. Our hope is in, in Christ and what he did for us, right? And that hope will never, ever disappoint, right? So when we go back to James chapter 1, Back to James chapter 1, verse 2, and he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces this patience, this endurance, and let this patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Back to Romans in your mind, what's the thing that he's given to us that lacks nothing? Hope. Hope. Hope in what? Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through Christ Jesus. That's the thing that we need to be focusing on. The hope that we have in Christ. Not the hope that we have in this world. The hope we have in Christ. And we've said this so, so many times. There, there is this worldly hope. Whatever, I can't think of something off the top of my head. Uh, is it going to be, are we going to have a, a, a white Christmas? I hope so. 
Are you certain? Nope. A lot of you are going, no, 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 I want a sunny, warm Christmas. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? But, but you, you get what I'm saying. I hope so. I don't know. It's not a certainty. We might, we might not. Well, how about that the, the love of Christ has been poured out in your hearts through Christ Jesus and you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit for an eternity? Hope. Is it a, I hope so? No, no. no, it's a certainty. You have been justified by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now the love of God's been poured out in your heart and you have an eternal hope that you can hold on to. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, and in that... What do we lack? Nothing. Nothing. We don't lack anything. There's nothing more we need. It's not, well, I need hope in a new car. Oh, I need hope in the roof of my house fixed. Oh, I need hope in, well, I sure would like to have a bigger boat. You know, I, no. No, no, that's fading away. It's all going to fall apart. And, and regardless if it stays pristine, eventually you're going to fall apart. And, you know, Pastor it likes to say, you're leaving it or it's leaving you. One of the two is going to happen, right? So we, it's not hope plus, it's our, we have hope in him and we lack nothing. We are complete in that. And then he goes on and he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So if you lack wisdom, you ask of God and he'll give it to you. And he'll give it to you liberally without reproach. But you have to ask in faith. You have to ask believing. And so he gives this analogy that if, if you don't ask with believing, you're basically this double-minded person, that, that he, this analogy of a wave driven by the wind, driven and tossed by the wind. Now, there's a, and a lot of times I give, I give analogies in boats. Uh, and, and I realized something about myself one time, and it wasn't because I was actually really thinking about it or consciously aware of it. Um, but I, I, I guess I grew up on boats. And, and then one day, and this is years and years had gone by. I mean, I was, I was in deep into my profession, and I had an office, and I had the office decorated. I mean, it's a place you go to every day, and so you try to make it kind of, you know, homey as you can, right? Because you spend so much time there. Um, and then one day, I was sitting in my office, and I was looking at I had, I don't know, six, seven, eight pictures in that, in that office, you know, different walls. And one day I sat back and I looked and I'm like, boat, 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 boat. And I was like, and I wasn't even conscious. I just like, all the pictures on my wall are of boats, you know, and of different types of boats. And some were just artistic drawings and their paintings and things like that. Some were photographs, but nonetheless, they were all of boats. So I guess I think of things in boats a lot, but... And I say that to see this, say this, um, that when you ask in faith without doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. That means a little more to me, or may, may mean more to me than it does to some of you. 
um, because I understand what it's like to be out on the water when there's waves that come up. And sometimes the waves come up on you unexpectedly and they come up really, really big. Okay, like you could be out there on calm water in one minute and the next minute you have six foot waves and I am not joking at all. Six or more foot waves and all of a sudden it's just, you're out there and it's like, it went from a nice day to chaos. Okay, and, and suddenly you find yourself on a boat that's being driven and tossed by the wind. Sometimes you will find, in particular, maybe particularly if you're on a type of sailing type vessel, that a lot of times what the wind does is stabilizes the boat. Okay? So sometimes you'll be in, in maybe a rocky condition, but the wind will actually keep the boat from just, you know, flying all over the place, right? But then you might find yourself in conditions where it's tossed by the wind because the wind is shifting and it's changing and, it's, and all of a sudden you're, you're thinking, oh, and you might be on a smaller boat where you're kind of, and then all of a sudden the wind just drops and boom, and you're in the water. And, and it happens without even, it's just instant, boom. So this is, this is what it's like, this analogy of someone who asks, you want wisdom from God, but you ask without faith. Well, you're like this person that you're trusting in something and then all of a sudden it just disappears and you find yourself in the water. And now chaos on the boat just went into panic in the water. You know, and now everything is about how are we going to get that person back into the boat? Because literally that's what it becomes. It becomes a rescue op operation. Some of you might get that. I don't know. I hope you do. I hope that it makes some sense to you. Because that's literally what it, that's what it, really what it becomes. Instantaneously, it can become that. It becomes a rescue operation. Particularly if that boat just keeps going. And now you're left behind. Because that's very well the case. And you have to hope that somebody knows how to stop that thing and turn it around. All right? How many of you guys fish? Anybody ever, anybody ever been out on, a, uh, like, on the ocean fishing? The golf? Golf? Have you ever been out when the seas came up on you? Anybody been out fishing on the Gulf or out in the ocean when the seas came up? Have you ever been to where you were fishing and then you kind of stopped on a reef and the wind came up? And, and while you were traveling, it wasn't so much trouble. But then all of a sudden the boat stopped because they got over a reef or something they wanted to fish. And now all of a sudden, instead of the boat kind of going like this and cutting through the waves, now all of a sudden it's... You ever been there? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I've been, I've been out of those situations where if you were fishing, you had that, and I, this, I'm, I'm, I'm talking off the cuff, okay? I'm just sharing with you, all right? <laughs> where you're sitting on the chair on the boat and your fishing poles across the back and something will hit your, your fishing line and you have to literally. <laughs> all right? Because that's how rough the water is. And then you know what happens when you're sitting there long enough and the boat's going. You know where you end up? <laughs> All right. Analogies, okay? This is, about, this is the person who asks for wisdom from God without faith. You're either going to end up in the water in chaos with the boat leaving behind you in an absolute panic, or you're hanging your head over the side because you're sicker than a dog. 
You expect to receive anything from the Lord? You have to ask in faith. If you want wisdom from the Lord, you don't want to be in panic. You don't want to be in chaos. You want to be in that situation. You want to be, you know, hanging your head over because you're sicker than a dog, <laughs> driven by the wind. You want to ask in faith and in wisdom. And then if you do, if you ask in faith, he will give you the wisdom. You won't be, <laughs> excuse me, the double-minded man unstable in all his ways, that unstable boat that's just being shook and, and tossed about. I don't know if you think about it long enough, it might even make you sick just sitting here in your chair. Because <laughs> it will. I, I never, I've never had a problem with seasickness on a boat that's moving. But I have sat still in the water when that boat's being tossed about. And let me tell you what, it does not take long before you're heading to the rail. It can happen very, very quickly. We don't want to be that. that that's the doubting person. That's, that's the analogy of the doubting person, the one who's being tossed about, that's found himself panicking or laying in the water in a chaotic situation or one that is sicker than a dog and he's head his head, hold, holding his head over the rail, double-minded, unstable in all your ways. So we, we want to have this wisdom from God. We need the wisdom of God. We navigate some very, very treacherous waters, and we can't navigate it and get through it without having the wisdom of God. Amen? So... Um, so keep all these things together. We're going to link them together, hopefully, a little bit as we go. <laughs> so let's jump ahead to um, verse 12 now. James 1, 12. For now he says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Key words. First word is, first word is blessed. blessed. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. He's enduring what? Temptation. And then he's been approved. And once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has what? To, to who? To those who love him. So he promised those to the who thinks he's he's a promise this crown of life to those who love him. Promised, promised. Blessed are you if you endure temptation, you will receive a crown of life that God has promised to you, to those who love him, to those who what? To those who are mediocre, to those who are passive, apathetic. No, to those who love him. So look what else he's promised to those who love him. So we're going to flip back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I actually think we've been through this text not too long ago. We're going to pick this up in chapter 2, verse 6. And James, we were just talking about wisdom, okay? And blessed, being blessed by those who love him, okay? So chapter 2, verse 6. 
It says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it, as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ears heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Can you imagine the things that God has prepared for you? Anybody know um, John 14? Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are what? Many mansions. And if I go, I go to prepare a place for you, right? He went to prepare a place for you. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the place that God has prepared for you? He's preparing a place for every one of us. He, he, eye has not seen, nor ears heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, you think about that. It's like, wh- why would we have hope in this world? Why would we have the wisdom of this world? I mean, think about the wisdom of this world. You know, the wisdom of this world is a crapshoot. It really is. And you know, we have to live in this place, you know, and we're, we're sojourners. We're dwelling in it. We're walking through it. It's not our home. It's, it's this place that we're sojourning through, right? A lot of it, we have to deal with it. You know, we have to live in this world that we live in. But I hope you know that, you know, if we're playing the game of the world, that it's a crapshoot, you know? I'm, most of you probably have gotten investments in 401ks and things like that or the stock market. Guess what? It's crapshoot. So we don't want to have our eyes and our minds focused on these things in this world, right? But what about the things of heaven, the things eternal, that God has gone before us to prepare? Jesus has gone before us to prepare a place for us. Those who love him, he has gone to prepare this place for us. And we can't even conceive of what that's going to be like. We have an idea. We can look through the word and see what it tells us. But I think when we get there, we're, we're just. Yes. Ephesians chapter 2, there's this, a scripture in there where it says, in the ages to come, he is going to. Is, is the abundance of his glory for eternity. So, in, in, and again, we live in a world, and so the only thing I can give you is an analogy in things that we might be able to understand, like days. Um, but that means like every day, he's going to blow you away with something else. You know, it's, it's, wow, oh my gosh. Well, that was today. Tomorrow's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and the next day, oh my gosh. You know, forever and ever and ever and ever, he is going to reveal to us his glory for those who that love him. So, yeah, we can get a little bit of an idea of what it's going to be like now. But I don't think we have any idea what it's really going to be like when we get there. Because if we did, then 10,000 zillion days from now, he would do something. We'd go, ah, I kind of expected that. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, no. He's going to reveal to us the wonders of his glory forever and ever and ever and ever. 
That's an amazing thing. Eye has not seen nor ears heard nor has entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them, or God has revealed them to those, to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except for the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man, not with not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can they know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." We've been given the mind of Christ. So now we discern things spiritually. We don't look at things in a worldly perspective. And again, I can only relate this into, into my experiences. <clears throat> One of my life verses that came to me was... Um, if you just look back in, into the previous chapter in verse 18, it says, well, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Before I was born again, I had the mind of the world. I had the wisdom of the world. I had no idea of the things that God had prepared for me because they're spiritually discerned and I didn't have spiritual discernment. I had worldly discernment. And at that point in time, the message of the cross was utter foolishness to me. It was like, really? I mean, literally, I was, I was, I was an antagonist towards spiritual things, towards God. Okay? Not just a complacent person. It was, I was an antagonist. And, and I don't want to go into a whole lot of, of this, this type thing with my history and all that. Um, but nonetheless, I would speak against God as harshly as I could at any time I could. I, I was of the mindset that if this is who God is, I don't need him. I don't even want him. All right? And then there's a lot of history that goes behind that, but one day, I went into a small Bible teaching church that was in an um, auto parts store over on East North Street. And this guy named Ritt <laughs> was teaching from the Bible. Now, this, the time frame of this, historical time frame of this was very shortly after the whole David Koresh thing happened in Texas, if you remember that, if you guys, you know, some of the older people know what I'm talking about. Um, and we all know how that went down, right? Not too good. And so when we moved here and then Frankie, through some circumstances, work-related and things like that, ended up going to this auto parts store <laughs> church me being the antagonist that I was, 
having this mind of, you know, what just happened in Waco, Texas, da-da-da-da-da, I figured I need to go in this place and find out what she's gotten herself into. All right? When I went in there and I walked through the door, the message of God was foolishness. But through Romans chapter 6, which is where he was teaching. And I realized that the God that I thought I knew was not the God at all. That was not the God that I thought I knew at all. This whole different God came out just through the teaching of his word. And suddenly, the wisdom of this world turned into the wisdom of God. And I walked into that place with the message of the cross being foolishness. And when I walked out, it was the power of God. That's the wisdom we seek for. Not the wisdom of this world that leads to hopelessness, but we seek for the wisdom of God, which is hope eternal, guaranteed, secured in the heavenly places, sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And I was talking here, Pastor mentioned this yesterday morning. I was talking to somebody afterwards. Um, he mentioned earnest, right? That was the Holy Spirit's given to you as earnest down payment, right? And there's so many things in the, in the, in the Bible that our, our original founding of this country was formed around. You know, we have a lot of biblical basis for a lot of the things we've done and have do and a lot of the laws that were written and just a lot of the concepts that we embrace. And one of them is earnest money, right? So like you're going to go, you want to go buy a house and what do they want? They want earnest money, right? So I, I want to know that you actually really are committed to this thing. And for, for me to know that you're actually committed to this thing, you're going to give me earnest money. Now, if I walk away from it, how much of that do I get back? None. No. So I better know that I'm going to, that I'm gonna, yeah, I'm committing to this, right? Because I'm not going to get this earnest money back, right? So you think about it like this. God has given his Holy Spirit to you as earnest as a down payment. Is he taking it back? No. He's committed it to you. He has, no, he has no intention of taking it back. He has given you his Holy Spirit as earnest. That one day, the redemption will come. The complete, will, the complete work, or the work will be completed. Amen? The earnest money that he has given as a down payment. Being faithful, or what is it, da, 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 Philippians 2, come on, I think it's Philippians 2, 6, come on, someone, someone say it off the top of your head, confident of this very thing, he who, we don't have to go there, began a good work, will complete it, yeah, 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 so, yeah, so that's the earnest money, he's given you a down payment, he has, he has promised to you that he will complete the work that he began into you, and he is not going to take his Holy Spirit back from you, you have hope in God eternal. That's good news, amen? That's not the wisdom of this world that has a, a worthless hope that's fading away that will turn into nothing. 
eventually, because it all does. It's a hope eternal, it's solid, secure, to never, ever be taken back. I didn't discern that going in that one day, but I discerned it coming out. But praise God. Praise God. Um, so back to James. James 1. We're going to back to uh, 13. Uh, back, to, back to 12. Just that he, you will receive the crown of, crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. And then in 13 he says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. <laughs> For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. To sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. A little bit of seemingly switch of gears here that, that James has made here. But, but you're, you're, you're blessed when you endure temptation. When you're approved, you'll receive the crown of life, the promised crown of life. But let no one say that if you're tempted, that you're tempted by God. God doesn't tempt. God doesn't tempt you. This, is, this goes back to the whole selfishness thing, right? Things that we keep our minds on. Things that maybe, you know, twinkle our eye. Things that itch that spot. God doesn't tempt us. For God cannot be tempted nor by evil, nor does, he any tempt, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he, he is drawn away by what? His own, I put, I put a note in mine that says, own evil desires. I just wrote that down. I don't know if you have notes in your Bible, but I have notes in my Bible. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own, and I put evil desires, and then he is enticed. And then I also have another note above it that I wrote. What in this world is it that I love more? than him. Those are the things that tempt me. And Satan knows what they are. He knows exactly, as Pastor Ike says, I know exactly what string to pluck to make you dance. Right? What are the things that we are tempted by that ourselves are tempted by? Not that God tempts us with, but we allow ourselves to be tempted by. That we'll dance when Satan plucks that string. What are the things in this world that I love more than him? I know we all have, I'm hoping that something's ringing in your brain because I know, I know what they are in my head. I hope, I hope you do. I hope you know what they are. And you say, God, please allow me to endure this temptation. Let me be that person who is blessed, who will endure that temptation, who, who is confident that are going to receive that crown of life. Amen? And not say that I'm tempted by God, for God cannot tempt, be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when it, and is drawn away by his own desires. And when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. So where does this all happen? Where does it all happen? Yeah. Well, I think we got our iniquitous little hearts, right? Our hearts of iniquity. Um, but... When that thought's planted, do we cultivate it? 
you know? Are you, are you making good soil? It's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta make good soil for that seed to be planted so that it can grow. And boy, it's gonna grow into this really beautiful death. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what he says. You're gonna, you're gonna plant the seed, it's gonna, it's gonna sprout, it's gonna basically give birth to sin, and then when it grows up, is it gonna give you, is it gonna be any benefit to you? Is it gonna cause good things in your life? Is it gonna cause good things in your life? No, it's not gonna cause good things in our lives. So why do we so quickly cultivate that stinking seed that's gonna bring forth death? Yeah, well, and it says that very next thing. Do not be deceived. <laughs> Do not be deceived, brethren. Every good and perfect gift comes down from God, from above, right? The Father of lights, who doesn't change. So why don't we cultivate that seed? Why don't we spend more time cultivating the seed that will bring forth life and it's going to bring all good things? He says, blessed is the man who's going to endure the temptation. The person who doesn't endure the temptation, temptation that, that cultivates this ground of sin is going to end up in death. So many times we find ourselves cultivating that ground. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to water it. My precious. Right? And then we end up looking like him, too. <laughs> you know, Golem, right? You know, Golem looks like, right? Such a good-looking little guy, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. It, well, you know, it's interesting, because if you go back through the prequels, I guess, you know, Golem wasn't always what he was when we first found him in the Lord of the Rings, right? Maybe he was kind of handsome and looking good. But look what sin took him to. Took him into that creepy little monster, didn't it? Blessed is the man who endures temptation. It all begins in the mind. And, and, you know, I wanted to go to Romans 8. You, well, we can go there real quick. Because I want to end in, in Psalm 1. So really quick, back to, uh, over to Romans 8. Because this all begins in the mind. It all starts in the mind. And it's where our mind is. Are we, do we have this mind of Christ? I mean, literally, really, I mean, that's what Paul asked or Paul was stating to us, if we're saved, if we're, if we're believers in Christ, then we've been given his mind. We don't have the wisdom of this world. We have the mind of Christ. So where is our mind? Where should our mind be? On things above? Our mind should be set on things above, not on the things of this earth, right? So do we have the mind of Christ? Paul, do we have, yeah, we do. Because the word tells us we have the mind of Christ. What are we going to cultivate? Okay? You have the ability to cultivate right the good things. So... So Romans 8, in, in verse 5, he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is and life and peace. You want to be carnally minded? You're cultivating that, that little seed of sin? It brings forth what, again? Death. You cultivate the good soil? Spiritual soil? Life and peace. Do you want peace? Yes. My gosh, I mean, we, go, we, we live in a world that seems like it's unraveling all around us all the time. We can have peace. We can have peace. It's literally available to us. 
We can have peace to live through this, this chaotic world that we live in. And you're like, oh my gosh, what is next? I mean, really? Now we got 101 different genders? You know? <laughs> I mean, really? It's like, oh wait, now it's not even a gender. Oh, I can be the sun. Oh, I can be the dew, the sparkling dew on the grass. Or I can... <laughs> Wisdom of this world. I mean, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Double-minded in all their ways, right? Unstable as the toss by the wind. But, but in him, we can, in spiritually minded, we can have life and peace. So we can be carnally minded, we can be spiritually minded. Because the, verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If you're in the flesh, you're living that you can't please God. And if you're not pleasing God, there ain't going to be any peace. No peace. All right? There's not going to be any peace. So when those who are in the flesh, so those in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. There's that earnest, that security, that surety, that if Christ dwells in you, he will give life to your mortal body. And strength to endure, and wisdom, and peace, and all these good things, right? Blessed is the man who endures, and woman, okay? Man in a general sense. Blessed is the person who endures temptation, for if you endure the temptation, you will be given the crown of life. You will be given spiritual minds, and you will be given life and peace. Amen? Amen. So, in closing, if we go back to Psalm 1, and you probably know this one already, too, because James used the word blessed. So this psalm tells us some things and how to be blessed. Things not to do and things to do. <laughs> what are the things not to do? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's the wicked. That would be spiritual, or I'm sorry, worldly wisdom. Wisdom of this world, okay? Blessed is the man who endures temptation, who hears this worldly wisdom, who entices you with the worldly wisdom, and says, no, not going that way. Nope. I'm not, I'm not walking in that. Not going to walk in that. Nope. Doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. This is what you should do. Your commercials are loaded with that, by the way. They're loaded with that. <laughs> They're trying to get you to walk the way they want you to walk. Second thing you don't do. You don't stand in the path of the sinners. Got any idea what that might mean? Who are you hanging out with? Bad behavior? Corrupts? 
always, always, not some of the time, well, maybe a little bit every once in a while. No, always. What path are you standing in? Are you standing in the path of the sinner? You're standing in the path of the sinner, you're going to start, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to back up. You're going to start walking in the way of their counsel. Okay. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Hmm. 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 How long has that verse been our life verse, Frankie? <laughs> Philippians 2.14, right? Anybody, you know, we said it earlier, right? You know what it is? No? Do all things without grumbling and complaining, right? The scornful. We're not sitting in the seat of the scornful, grumblers and complainers. And, you know, I was like, you know, it'd be a whole lot easier if we just took out the, you know, the, the doesn't do that. <laughs> so we do all things with grumbling and complaining, you know, because that's just, ten, that's the tendency of our flesh is that we grumble and we complain about things. And I'm, I mean, I'm just like lately, I really have had to evaluate a lot of things. And then particularly, again, this morning, I was just really thinking about this grumbling and complaining about things of the world. Again, things that perish, things that I, I shouldn't be setting my mind upon. But just in the recent weeks, I, I, I've, it's the contrast of the things that I complain about to the things that are going on in this world is just absolutely pathetic. I complain about this. You know what I'm not complaining about? You know what I don't have to complain about? I don't have to complain about that I lost my whole family in a rocket strike. People whose family members were maimed and murdered, wiped out in a moment during what they thought was going to be the most festive event of the year. I don't, I don't have to complain about that. I have to complain about, man, that, that, that landscaping bed in our neighborhood is all covered with weeds. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? I mean, you think about that. Really? That's what you're complaining about? That's what concerns you? Sitting in the seat of the scornful. Judgmental. That person's not doing what I think they should do. They're not operating the way I think they should work. They're not doing this. If I was in control, I would... Yeah, it would mess up too. Yeah. Somebody would else be judging what I did. Yeah, it's a good. That's the, that is the Absalom mindset, right? If I was in control, I would. Now I'm going to form an allegiance, an ungodly allegiance. But what do we want to do? What's the right thing to do? Blessed is the man. What? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And thinking about the things that we keep our minds on, the things that we keep our things focused on, what does it say? And on his law, he what? Meditates. What are the things? Where is your mindset? Where is your mind? Is your mind on these earthly things that is on fleshly things that lead to death? 
or is your mind on spiritual things, on his law, will meditate day and night, and it will lead to life and peace. He shall be like the tree planted by the rivers of water, and you'll bring forth your fruit in its season. Your leaf shall not wither, and whatever you do will prosper. There is nothing that God has given. All his promises are yes and amen. Everything in him, everything in him will prosper. It will never wither. It will never fade. Everything in this world will wither and fade. It will turn to dust and it will go away. But the word of God will endure forever. So you want a life of peace? You want a life of hope? Do you want, is this what you want? What are we cultivating? What is the wisdom we're searching after? Where do we put our hope? Where do we set our minds? On spiritual things? Or do we set them on fleshly things? Literally the choice is ours. And I just hope all of us here will come to this place where we will set our mind on things above and not on the things of this earth. And we will find our hope and our life and our peace in him. And we will have minds of, of spiritual wisdom. And when the snares of this world come our way, and when the temptations of, of this world come our way, we can go, no. It will bring forth death. This has nothing for me. This has no good for me at all. <coughs> Turn from it. Return to the Lord. Amen? Amen? Amen. Lord, you are a good and gracious Father. Beyond anything we could ever conceive in our limited knowledge, Lord. But what we do and know about you, it is good and it is perfect. Lord, the wisdom that comes from you it will never deceive us. The wisdom of this world will always deceive us. Your wisdom will always lead us to truth. If we keep our minds set upon you, Lord, we will be like those trees that are planted by that river of living water. We will bring forth fruit for you, and Lord, we will never, ever wither, and everything in you, by you, will prosper. And we will just enjoy a life here of peace beyond under any understanding, beyond any understanding, that peace surpasses all understanding, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I just pray now, Lord, as we just close this service, that each and every one of us in this place, Lord, we will experience just that lifting of any burden that we have in this world, that comes from this world, and that we will set our minds steadfast upon you, upon the promises you have made for us, to us. Lord, that we are sealed by your Holy Spirit, that we have an eternal hope in you. And Lord, that we can rest in that and allow the things and the cares of this world to fade away. Spiritually minded people that have been given the wisdom of God. Thank you, Lord.
And I just pray that you'll bless each and every one of us with that today, this knowledge. And Lord, and in return, strengthen us to walk in you. And Lord, just bury, bury these things that tempt us and draw us away. Help us not to even return to them. Cultivate the good things in you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this message from Community Chapel of Greenville. For more information and to find more messages like this, please visit to www.ccgreenville.org. It is our desire to see our Lord high and lifted up, and to see His people grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.